from Sanquist Fields. Broadcasting around the world. Around the world. It's time to talk softball with the man, the myth, the legend, Duke Weisbrod. And also, um, what's his name? Um, oh, Chris, Chris Fernanda. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Cambridge Isanti Softball Podcast. All right, guys, welcome to episode five of the Cambridge Isanti Softball Podcast. This is Chris, joined here tonight by Duke. Duke, how are you doing tonight, bud? Good, sir. How are you? Good. Good to be back here. Yes, absolutely. So this episode, we're going to focus on last weekend's Dalball Area Ministerial Softball League Tournament, or DAMSOL as we call it for short. If you're here for information on the Tournament of Champions or the Summer Leagues at Sanquist, I want to direct you to Episode 4. Episode 4 was just released yesterday, so if you check your podcast app, it should be the episode right before this. Uh, Again, this episode, we're going to focus on the church tournament from this weekend um, exclusively. So let's get started. Hey, Duke. Yo. I want you to repeat after me. Yes, sir. I want you to say that the the damsel is not the best church league in the country. You know, from my experience, uh, years ago, there was big, big league, St. Cloud, mm-hmm. Bloomington, all over the place. But I I got to believe that it's, it's uh, it's like none other. I mean, the fellowship, the sportsmanship, uh, the tournament at one spot, you know, at Sanquist, uh, lots of talent. But like I go back to, the fellowship is just unbelievable. It, it's got to be, Chris. It's got to be one of the best in the in the nation. For it sure. I, I was yeah. uh, I, I was having you tell me it wasn't because it's going to call you a liar. <laughs> I. I I mean this. I, I, I don't think it's possible. There's a better church league in the country. Um, you might find some with some better players. Uh, that doesn't matter. Uh, find me one that people care about more. You're not going to. This league has so much history. Um, there's guys in this league that have been playing for 50 years in it. Um, families playing together for years. The cores of so many of these teams stay the same decade after decade uh, because people care about it. And it's it's just kind of grown organically, and uh, there's nothing like it. And uh, oh, I, 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 I proud to be ble- part of it. So yes, I, I believe that 100%. I, as you know, of course, there's major metropolitan areas areas all over the country, Houston, Phoenix, L.A., Chicago. But what's interesting about this league, looking in from the outside, for me at least, is uh the youth church league to see these teams evolve the families the cousins the relatives like you were talking about earlier uh the the camaraderie the fellowship uh but when it comes to the tournament it's like the world series and it is uh, i've been i've been attached to the tournament in a respect for the last several years when we had it at the old park. Uh, and it's just, it's so neat. It's, 
it's at the top of my list too. So in the championship games today, it's just like so many people there watching. Uh, all the people from the churches are there. Uh, all the players from the other teams come back. They don't have games today, but they all, so many of them came back to watch these games. And I ran into an old friend today who goes to North Isani. I'm sitting behind him in the bleachers. They're playing against South Isani. Here he is rooting for Jake. I'm, I asked him, who are you rooting for? He's like, both teams. I got friends on both teams. And I was like, yeah, me too. You know, so I was in the same boat. I was rooting for both teams. And uh, it's just a great environment. And I, I just love it. And like I said, proud to be part of it. So, Well, personally, uh, as you know, my dad... Uh, had uh, a couple bakeries, Princeton and Cambridge, with mm-hmm. his brother. Uh, but that, what I call the the west side of Dalbo where Carmel is, and uh, at that time they had two teams. But mm-hmm. what I got to see was, I got to see people that uh, were buying bread for my dad in the 50s <laughs> that would come to the church tournament and root on their church. And... Uh, you know, once again, it's all about the people. And uh, you and your staff, uh, you know, the Wicklands and, and Al and, uh, you know, the, the directors before that, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing that it's evolved like this. And uh, listening to you, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't doubt that that youth league is maybe up a couple teams next year, but I think your adult league is probably going to be well into the 30s, in my opinion. No doubt. Uh, yep. I'm not directly responsible for this, but I'm pretty confident that both the kids and adults leagues are going to grow noticeably uh, next year. So we had the uh, three championship games today. First off, let's start off with Division 3. So Division 3 was uh, won by Home Church today. So Home Church was the uh, number one seed. Counting the tournament, they finished... I'm sorry, 17-1. and Their only loss this entire year was by one run versus River of Life back on uh, June 13th. Uh, They're coached by uh, Jerry Landon, and because of their their regular season in the tournament, uh, I assume they're going up to Division II. Uh, Disclaimer, it's not up to me who goes up and and down the divisions, Uh, so I'm speculating here, but it seems like clear-cut that... uh, Home Church will be moving back up to Division One or Division Two. Uh, I talked with Coach Jerry Landon tonight and uh, asked him, you know, how the season went, how the tournament went. He was very clear that uh, this season they had was not expected at all. They had no idea they were going to have a such a winning record. Um, they didn't have, you know, any star players, for lack of a better term. It was just a balanced, very balanced team all around. Um, total team effort, both in the tournament and throughout the season. Um, a lot of you know Bill Bushway. He's been a pitcher in the league for a long time. Uh, before home church, he pitched for uh, some New Hope teams. Before that, Elam. He's been around for a long time. Very consistent pitcher. And uh, Jared said that, you know, dur- they had a lot of games during this tournament. And sometimes he was on. Sometimes he was off. That happens with everyone. But when he was off, other people picked up the slack on the team. And uh, and played well. Um, it just he said it just seemed like there was amazing plays made by everyone at one point or another. And a great example to illustrate this: um, 
Holly, who is their catcher, is her first year ever playing. She never swung a bat before. Uh, she actually scored the game-winning run uh, to send them to the championship. Uh, they were playing a player short, so they had one female. There were two outs. Holly was on second. And uh, the, uh, the, the, the batter that was up was followed by an automatic out because that was where the second female would have been. Um, so she had to go for it. Uh, she slid into home, um, slid under the tag, and uh, won the game. Um, great. That's a great story. I think that really illustrates uh, what this league is all about. So congratulations to uh, Home Church on winning D3. Um, they defeated Dale in the championship. Dale was the number nine seed, uh, coached by Jessica Wicklin. Uh, they lost uh, 12 to 10 the second round. So this morning, or, I'm sorry, Saturday morning at 10 a.m., uh, Dale lost 12 to 10 to the eventual champion and top seed Home Church. They then played six more games Saturday. They won all of those, including a, a, a finishing, uh, I think they played at 8 or 9 o'clock. They ended up winning against number two seed Salem. Sent them back to the championship today or Sunday against uh, Home Church, which they ultimately lost. Uh, this weekend, really, some great pitching by young Jack Wickland. Uh, I saw several of their games just kind of watching, and I was honestly very impressed. Um, before I even talked to Jessica, I already had written him down as, um, he really impressed me, not just with his pitching. I was really impressed with his command of the infield. He really, um, demonstrated kind of a high softball IQ, uh, played like a veteran and he's just, I think he is 16, 17 years old. He actually just won the championship in the kids league last year for Dale. So this is his first year pitching, um, an adult league. He did great. So I was really impressed by that. And then uh, Kyle Wickland, another Wickland on the team, he had some huge hits. Uh, he led the team in average over the weekend. Uh, he had an in-the-park grand slam that I saw. He had another in-the-park home run. And actually several triples that probably should have been home runs, but uh, he got stuck at third because uh, Jessica's mom was running in front of him and she had a broken toe. So, oh. uh, so yeah, he, he did great as well. So that's great to see. Um, they're doing a lot of good things there at uh, Dale developing uh, softball with their team. So congrats to them. And then third place went to Salem. So Salem was the number two seed. Um, they were, I believe, 12-2 and two in the regular season. And they lost to eventual champion Home Church 23-22. to 22. So one-run game in the uh, winner's bracket final. Um, they then had to face Dale a little bit later in the evening, lost 16-6. to six. That kind of... Uh, uh, knocked them out. And then Consolation went to North Isani 3. And here's a good story. So North Isani was 3 was the number 11 seed. Lost their best player from last year's team who moved up to North Isani 1. But they played great team ball. Got some good pitching from Travis Blake. And that ultimately led them to the Consolation Trophy. So all three North Isani teams won trophies in the tournament. Which is notable as they're the only church to do so this year. So they're coached by uh, Josh Zeeland, and so congratulations are in order uh, to them. So great job to uh, all four teams I mentioned. So moving on to Division Two. So North Isani won. They were the number three seed, coached by Corbin Kale. They won Division Two, and I mentioned a second ago, uh, North Isani three lost their best player. Well, that was Corbin. He moved up to Division Two. 
um, to coach North Sandy one, and he's a young guy. I actually remember from, remember him from the kids league a few years ago. Uh, he, uh, he coached and, uh, left division three to move up to the D two. I believe Ben said they only had six players left from their last year's, uh, North Sandy one team. Um, but they were able to kind of, uh, they started off slow, but they got hot towards the end of the year. I think they won four of their last five. Um, and then played lights out during the tournament, went undefeated uh, uh, to win. So it looks like they'll be moving back up to Division One. Just talking to Ben Wilson a little bit about the uh, the games, and he he said that basically there were two reasons they won: uh, base running and and defense. Um, played really smart all day. Um, they held the high-powered South offense to two runs in the championship game. This was after South, I believe, had something like twenty. 20 and 16 runs the previous three games. Um, great base running, as I mentioned. I heard several examples where there were some unforced errors they uh, they created by being aggressive yet smart on the base paths. Um, I heard about a bunch of solid play from uh, Mikey and Kalinda Koba, uh, all tournament long, and uh, great pitching from from Matt Bramer. Um, great defense from Brian Bergman. Um, ben couldn't say enough good things about. Uh, his defense um, at shortstop. A um, couple highlights. Uh, I was watching the championship game a bit today. Uh, Brian Bergman, uh, in his words, never listened to a podcast in his life. Hopefully Brian's listening right now because we're shouting him out. He had an inside-the-park home run uh, to right field, and he slid under the tag at home plate headfirst. So uh, shout-out to him. And the rest of the North Sandy, uh team, a great, great season, and I uh, look forward to, to them being in Division One next year. Uh, second place was one of my dark horses, South Sandy. They are the number five seed, coached by Scott Lindell. And as an aside, um, Scott, in their game last night, uh, unfortunately broke his leg sliding into second. I believe it was second base, but uh, sliding, he broke his leg, unfortunately. But I spoke with him today. He was in great spirits. Um, he's expected to heal up well. He's hoping to be back to 100% for hunting season. And what I thought was great is uh, they wheeled him out in a wheelchair today uh, to take part in the team photo for the D2 uh, uh, second place. So uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you, Scott. He's a great part of our community, longtime coach there and player at North Isani. So, uh, or I'm sorry, South Isani. Please, no offense, guys. South Isani. <laughs> <laughs> he's... Uh, but, he- he was actually uh, the men's league director when the when the park was uh, evolving back in 08, 09, 10. Uh, okay. And as you know, I brought him down to the his uh, wife's vehicle or his vehicle to get a get a ride into the hospital last night. But uh, yeah, uh, I felt bad for him. Like he said, this is his favorite tournament of the year, favorite event of the year. Yeah, that was too bad, but like I said, he was in good spirits, and you wouldn't expect anything else from Scott. He's one of the most positive people that that I come across, so great guy. Wish you the best, Scott. A um, couple stories from North Ice. I did it again. Guys, don't be mad. Um, I love both North and South Isani. Hey, it's all good. Uh, at any rate, South Isani, a couple gr- uh, quick stories here. So a lot of teams in the damsel are tight-knit, but I doubt anyone is as tight-knit as these guys are. One of the big reasons is they're, they're a big family. Five families have at least two players on this team. We're talking the Levens, the Venomans, the Olsons, the Buckinghams, and the Gleasons. There's also three generations on the team in the Roger Boostrom family. 
So that's pretty darn unique. And you can see that it's a family atmosphere when they play. Saturday night was one of the biggest moments of the tournament. We had uh, South Isani versus North Isani 2. Uh, it was all on the line because the winner went to the championship game on Sunday. And going into the fifth, I'm sorry, going into the seventh inning, uh, South was down by five. Uh, Eric Sorensen hit his first home run of the season, a three-run shot with Nick Levin and Matt Veneman on base. That started the comeback. Uh, a bit later, they had the bases loaded. Uh, Maria Gleason, Bill Gilbert, and, and Jake Mobid were on with one out. Uh, Christine Levin was up. She had a really sharp grounder um, to shortstop. It was scooped up by uh, Keith Laska, who's really probably one of the better shortstops in the league. He went for the double play to end the game. And with anyone else on first, that likely would have happened. Um, Jake Mobid slid headfirst into second, beat, the, beat the, um, the touch at second base or beat the force at second. Keith threw it to first, got the out there. But the tying run scored on that play. And then on the very next play, uh, Joe Gleason uh, walked him off to send him to the championship game. Uh, just kind of illustrates the uh, team first uh, attitude these guys have and can-do attitude, and they're just really a tight-knit group. Uh, it's, it's awesome to see. Third place in Division Two went to North Isani 2. They're the number six seed coached by Angela Larson, and in my estimation, they had probably the toughest draw uh, or road here uh, out of any team. The reason I say that is Friday night they had to play their arch rival and eventual champion North Isani 1. They played these guys at 9 o'clock. Game got over at 10 o'clock. Um, they lost a fairly close game, but that meant they had to be back first thing Saturday morning. So they had the last game Friday night, first game Saturday morning at 8 a.m. They won. Then they had to face the number one overall seed in D2, Salem Swamp Dogs. Uh, they uh, defeated them. Then they had to play number two, First B, they defeated them. That brought them to the loser's bracket final uh, versus South, where, as we just mentioned, they, they, they lost by one run in walk-off fashion. So really great run. It was a tough road, um, but winning third place uh, with that kind of draw, I think, says a lot about their team. Um, Luke Snell brought a lot to the table. He was probably the missing link from last year versus this year um, because you get a, a pitcher that can throw sky balls like that that makes a big difference, no doubt about that. Um, Keith Laska also brought a lot of veteran leadership. Every time I looked over and saw the watched one of these games, uh, you saw Keith making some sort of crazy play. Um, really, really um, good player um, and a good motivator. I mean, coaching background there, so you can definitely see that. Um, a lot of speed from young guys, and I think that's that was also one of the biggest factors in their success and um, reason for optimism for the future. So uh, Brian Laska, Chris Laska, Evan Tebben, um, all involved in the CCS basketball program, lightning fast, all three of them. And then Karsten Cutney brings a lot of speed as well. Hats off to these guys. They had a really good run. And uh, if they keep this group together, they have a lot of potential for the future. Consolation in D2 went to Crosspoint 2. This is Blaine Cooper's team, and if you recall from the last show I did with Nick and Ben, um, Blaine suffered an injury to his shoulder, so he wasn't able to pitch the rest of the season. And they were scrambling for a replacement, and Blaine spoke with him earlier today, and he wanted to relay what a great job that Graham Peterson did. He really stepped up to the plate, did an excellent job for them, and 
they had a really young team and they bonded well um, throughout this tournament. So congratulations are in order to those guys as well. So today was a great day. Um, as you may know, I play on New Hope and we won first place in, in Division One this year. And I can't begin to tell you how awesome it, it feels. Um, and here's why. So half the team uh, was coached by myself and Alan. Um, so I've coached a lot of these guys since they're eight, nine years old. I think when I started, Sam was nine, uh, like his second year in softball. Then my son Nick joined, Logan Goldsmith, uh, my nephew Caleb Betker. Uh, they all joined uh, on that team for kids. We had Seth, Sam, Claire Leaf, and coached them for years and uh, played together with, you know, they played together with my kids. They all played together for, for many years, uh, won several kids' league championships together. Uh, then they moved on to adult league. Me and Alan and Justin Domino, who's on the team now, played with these guys Division Two. Uh, we had a great, great first season with them. We were com really competitive, up, you know, towards the top of the standings. Not the best team, but we were up there. I think top three or four. Then the second year, we dominated. We were thirteen and one. Uh, so we moved up to D one along with North Sandy two or North Sandy one. Uh, last year, we were. Middle of the pack team, we but then in the in the tournament, the first night we played cross point, beat them, walk off, and that was one of the highlights uh, of my softball career was was that because, and I'll kind of get into this in a second, but you know cross point is kind of the measuring stick in D one, and uh, so for that reason they've always been our rival whether they know it or not, they're our rival because they're the measuring stick and you know we're a young team except for me of course, and we <laughs> want to prove our worth right. And how do you do that? It's it's by showing you can compete with one of the better teams like like Crosspoint that's been there. Uh, so we beat them the first night in the walk-off, and that was great. But you know what? It's kind of like the Vikings with the Minneapolis Miracle, where, hey, that was great, but we didn't follow it up. We, we, we stunk after that. So these young guys learned a lot uh, from those losses. And uh, this year... Um, you know, the year started off okay. We're kind of middle of the pack. Um, but we won our last four games during the regular season. I'm sorry, last five games during the regular season. And then we won all four during the tournament uh, to finish as champions. Um, we defeated Carmel. Logan Goldsmith, today in our championship game against Carmel, uh, he came out with the uh, Grinch uh, sweatpants with his jersey. Uh, but that was great. That was part of the vibe. Got us going. At any rate, uh, he hit a in-the-park home run, uh, crushed it to right field, and that was huge for our momentum. So um, Carmel was, and that we're really proud of this. So Carmel was 13-1 and against the rest of the league this year, 0-4 against us. Uh, Carmel's a really, really good team, obviously. They beat everyone else. Uh, Matt Moline pitched awesome uh, all through the season when he was there and during the tournament. Um, they have some other really good players. Uh, they're just a very fundamentally sound team. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, we, we seem to have their number this year. Um, they're a great team. Uh, it sounds like they might have two Division One teams next year. I mentioned before that they had uh, some guys out on a missions trip that weren't going to be here for the tournament, so that's why they had one team. So their team was kind of in flux, um, but uh, Matt Moline did a great job coaching it. Um, they were 
great team. Um, so all the credit in the world to them. All right, so third place went to Crosspoint. Uh, I mentioned before they're the, they're the measuring stick. So we played them the second round, and we were ready for that game. I've never had so much adrenaline in my life, Duke. I'm not kidding. I had adrenaline going for like three days before this game was supposed to happen. Uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't sit still because we wanted to beat them so desperately bad because we were 0-2 against them this year. Again, they're the measuring stick. But then, like Crosspoint always does, uh, they went on and run. So it doesn't matter if they get one loss. It's double elimination. They're very uh, tournament-tested. They went on and beat a 10-4 and Rock team and a 9-5 and Refuge team back-to-back to, -back to uh, get back to face Carmel. And Carmel beat them again. Um, we've learned so much playing against these guys. Uh, I, and I'm, I'm not just saying that. Um, I, I purposely didn't mention anything about the walk-off last week because I didn't want to mo motivate them. Um, but they're a great team. And then um, Consolation went to Rock. Um, mad, mad props to them as well because uh, we mentioned they have Clint. But they were really shorthanded this weekend. They were missing uh, Henry and Ray, Ray Abraham. Two of their outfielders, I believe they were both overseas, is what I've heard. Um, and then I'm going to butcher this name, and I apologize. But you got to remember, I'm 45, and I don't know. At any rate, um, Luke Malamassaro. I think you got it. I, I, it I sounded really right when I said it. That's great if I got it right. I watched they're, they're missing him. He's their shortstop. Yep. So they're really shorthanded. Um, but they, they're, they're a very tough team. I was hoping we didn't have to play them during the tournament because they're, they're tough right? Um, they won consolation, and it just really goes to show the strength of the top five teams in this league. It was kind of a unique year where, like I said, five of the top uh, eight teams were nine and five or better, so really, really top-heavy with the results. But I want to give a couple shout-outs. Uh, this is important. Um, so first off, shout-out to Cambridge Lutheran, uh, coached by Greg Doom. I felt they were a very, very good team this year. Um, they had close games against all the top teams and great sportsmanship always, every game. No doubt about that. Um, to illustrate that, they lost to Rock by four, Refuge by three, and then four the second time. Uh, they lost to us by one when we had to come back, I believe, by three runs in the bottom of the seventh. Um, and then to Carmel by three. Uh, during the tournament, they were leading cross point midway through. So it kind of demonstrates they're a very, very talented team. Most likely they'll be in D2, from my understanding of how it works. But again, it's not my decision. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm just, based on what I've seen before, I think they're likely going to go down to D2. But they're a great team. Um, so mad props to them. And I just really want to emphasize the sportsmanship they had all year. They were great to play against. Um, we mentioned uh, before, last week we were kind of talking about players that kind of uh, – appeared on different teams in D1 from the previous year, and I forgot to mention uh, Michael and Andrea Porta. They came over from uh, Grace Gospel. They played on there. Uh, Michael's a great left fielder, a lot of power, um, great defensively, and Andrea plays second base, and uh, really impressed with how she played as well. And then uh, they have a younger guy, Carter Thompson. Um, so I'm at shortstop and then outfield during the season, and I've seen him play uh, – um, Thursday nights a few times as well this, this year. So I want to give a shout-out to him as, a, as being a great young player as well. And the other shout-out I want to give is to Eaglebrook. Uh, they're coached by Trevor Scanlon. 
And uh, kind of like we were talking about with uh, North Branch Chev, they showed up. So our tournament, um, you know, they were shorthanded, but they still showed up for the better of the league. So when we played them Friday night, they had nine players. Um, I think they only had one gal. Actually, I'm sorry. They had ten players, but only one gal. So they could only play with nine in the field. But they still showed up. Uh, they gave it their all, and they were great sports. And uh, I, every time I've played Eagle Brook over the years, both in D1 and D2, they've just been great to play against. Uh, they're also a very talented team, and uh, I think they have a, a great future ahead of them as well. So hopefully they can stick with it. And uh, one shout-out, they have a guy named Harlan Green that plays for them. I want to give a shout-out to this guy because this is something I didn't know, and this might surprise you, Duke. Um, I ran into him at Dairy Queen one time after a game. I believe it was last year. And he has this life hack. I don't think people know this, but you can go to Dairy Queen and just order like a bucket of soft serve for like five bucks or something. And after every game, he goes there and eats this whole bucket, I believe, uh, uh, of the soft serve. Um, and he's really fit and hits home runs. So I don't know if that's a secret or, or what, but... Um, shout out to Harlan, and again, he's just an example of uh, someone great to play against. They're super nice, and I wish them the best of luck um, in the future. Harlan then, is Harlan is a, a a great man. Has a big, large family. Mm -hmm. uh, works hard. Uh, ironically, played basketball at the same junior college I did up in Vermilion and Neely. I oh wow! Was, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think he was from Spicer, Minnesota. New but, London Spicer uh, High School. Let's go. You bet. Let's go. But yeah, he's uh, he's one of the good ones. All right, we're starting a new segment on the show called Podcast Worthy Plays, and uh, this is copyright James Clemick. So thank you, James, for the idea. And without further ado, let's get started. Play number one. This actually comes from the kids' tournament. It was New Hope versus Carmel. Bottom of the last inning, New Hope was clinging to a small lead. Carmel was threatening with runners on first and second, nobody out. All of a sudden, there's a pop fly hit to left field. Shortstop Brendan Celestino ran into the outfield, made a great catch, fired the ball to 10-year-old Levi Venanda at second base, who then gunned it over to Silas Goldsmith at first to complete the triple play, which ended the game and sent them on to the championship game. Crowd went wild, team went wild, literally one of my favorite moments ever at Sanquist, so... Congratulations to Brendan, Levi, and Silas, because you are podcast-worthy. Play number two, Refuge versus South Isani. This was Friday night in the tournament. You know how it is, you know, when it rains, it pours in softball. You have a disastrous inning in the field where it seems like nothing can go right. Well, that was happening to Refuge, too. Uh, South Isani was in the midst of a furious comeback and threatening to blow the game wide open. Then there's a bomb hit to right field with two outs. Looked like it was going to be a few more runs for South Isani. Out of nowhere comes Connor Cray. He made a highlight reel diving catch, securing the ball literally inches uh, off the ground and the, the end of the inning. So congratulations to Connor because you are podcast worthy. Play number three. This was uh, actually the Tuesday, the last game of the regular season in the Damsel League. We were uh, playing against uh, Refuge. Hyde, 16-16. to Alan Goldsmith hit his first ever over-the-fence home run. Uh, to win the game 18-16 to 16 at age 41 or whatever he is. Sorry if I got your age wrong, Alan. He's younger than I am, so I know he's not 45, but I'm pretty sure he's over 40. That's incredible. So 
that gives me hope if I uh, work out and stuff over the off season, maybe I can hit one, but, but we'll see. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I was around that night and was watching that game because if, as you recall, weren't you in the eighth inning? I believe. Uh, uh, yeah, it was extra innings. It was getting dark. Yep. Yep. I didn't see it, uh, but he's got a nice swing. He's, uh, he's, he's jumped all over this softball and, and, uh, yeah, he looks great. Now you said it was, uh, his first over the fence home run. I think it hit the yellow fence cap, didn't it? Uh, it happened so fast, Duke. Uh, so I honestly don't know if it hit the cap and bounced over, but it, it cleared it. So we were both watching it and we both talked after we didn't, we just saw it bounce on the other side. Uh, he actually had a hit earlier in the game. I think it was his previous at bat that hit the fence like three quarters up that I thought was going to be out for sure. That one looked like a bigger hit than this one that went out. So I don't know if it hit the fence and then bounced out. I don't know, but, but it cleared the fence and uh, he was doing the airplane dance. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, but uh, I told Ryan Acker, I'm like, Hey, we're not trying to be poor sports. This is his first home run. This is a big moment. And they got it. So congratulations, Alan, because you are podcast worthy. The fourth and final play occurred after a game was over. So Friday night, it was South Isani versus Refuge 2. In the post-game handshake line, Jacob Tilly from Refuge 2 told uh, Jake Movid that, hey, I heard on the podcast that you're the fastest guy in the league, and I don't think that's true. So he challenged him to a race. And so they actually had a race right on the field after the game, and Sure enough, uh, Jacob Tilly won. He left no doubt that he is the fastest guy in the league. And af afterwards, I was talking to, to Whiskey. He's uh, one of the umpires up here. Shout out to you, Whiskey, if you're listening. Um, at any rate, Whiskey said that uh, he roughs football games, and uh, Jacob is a really good running back at St. Francis and smokes people all the time. So congratulations to you, Jacob, because you are podcast worthy. If you don't mind, maybe let's take a moment here and... and uh, Give a couple of shout-outs to some of our sponsors. Yes, absolutely. Uh, First Bank and Trust, they've been a great sponsor throughout the years. Uh, but there's many others, like uh, Betker Excavating, uh, all kinds of billboards out there on the fence, which uh, help reduce the, the large expenses of trash removal and bases and I think you know since uh, you are a board member that mm -hmm. we've been buying rakes and hoses and bases and that stuff is not cheap so thank you to those folks the home run derby this year was I would say significantly better than last year um, moving it to prime time under the lights when there's only one other game going on was a giant success uh, I think it resulted in more people watching it, as well as more par people participating in it. I believe there were 22, 23, 24 participants, uh, mostly guys, but not all. Um, it was fun. Uh, so on the women's side, the uh, finals were between Kelsey McFarland and Kelly Pedersen. Uh, Kelsey won. I think she hit five home runs out to, to win that. And then on the guys' side, there were five-ish or so guys that uh, made the final. I think they made the cutoff at uh, four or five home runs during the uh, uh, prelim, preliminary round. It's a tongue twister. A um, lot of fun, and uh, that was won by Seth Leaf, so he has back-to-back -back wins. So a podcast-worthy moment, copyright James Klimek, was uh, really when Caleb Bebo was up. So much excitement. Um, kids love him. I mean, he's kind of become a fan favorite. I think he's only been at Sandquist for 
a year or two. I think he's 17 years old. I think he's still in high school even. But uh, really nice guy, and uh, everyone loves him. And the kids, man, he was up to bat. All the kids are in the outfield. There was probably a dozen of them all chanting his last name. Uh, and then he would, you know, had a really nice swing, hit some out. It, when he was up, it kind of felt like we were watching the Home Run Derby on ESPN with uh, Chris Berman or something. Uh, a lot of fun. Um, my only suggestion, so I think that the Home Run Derby was much better this year than last year. I think it's really close to being a great event. I think the missing thing is uh, music. So some music going on when they're batting. Maybe a PA announcer introducing guys. I think that would add a lot to it. And then also, you might have to talk to Duke about this and get this worked out, but uh, imagine sitting there watching the Derby and having someone in concessions walking around, you know, selling drinks and snacks and stuff. I think that would add to the vibe as well. So... Keep the Home Run Derby at prime time for sure, and I think it's going to be a, a, a bigger hit next year even. All right, guys. Well, thanks for uh, tuning in. Thanks for a uh, successful damsel season and another successful tournament. Appreciate it, Duke, and uh, we'll see you at the ballpark. Very Take good. Care, everyone. Thank you. Yep, bye.